Hello, and welcome to Doctor Who 50 Years Ago. This is a semi-regular podcast looking at interesting elements and seasons of classic Doctor Who as they were first transmitted 50 years ago, and looks at the differences in the show and the world it's created in then and now. I am Ben. I am Luke. And I'm Nick. Welcome to this special in which we look at the character-slash-villain-slash-arch-nemesis of the Doctor, the Master, first introduced, despite what everyone says retrospectively, in the first episode of Terror of the Autons, broadcast on the 2nd of January 1971. In this special, we will try, keyword being try, to pin down the essence of the Master, looking at stories between 50 years ago and now, with the character involved, spoilers abound, determining how well the character is portrayed in various instances. So, the Master, renegade Time Lord, the Moriarty to the Doctor's Sherlock Holmes, and that's in quotes. Firstly, I'm going to use my complete history collection, which says he is a bad guy who effortlessly fits into the show. There's charm, which makes them a villain, quote, impossible to hate, unquote, which is um, debatable sometimes. There's humour, which is partially connected to the Pertwee era being geared to adults, apparently, as the humour for the villain is black. There's, there's fun in a brutal sort of way to the character of the master. There's one aspect that they don't mention, however, which I will, which is the potential for this to become camp or effeminate or exaggerated or theatrical or over the top. But there's one ultimate quote that really gets the original character of the Master, which we're about to start with, as portrayed by Roger Delgado. Sinister, polished, charming, has many aliases, a master of disguise, powerful hypnotist, not to be written as a villain of melodrama. Every single adjective can be thrown at the Master at some point during his reign, or their reign, I suppose I should say. When pinning down the essence of the Master... The one thing that I think is the same in all incarnations and all stories is the exact type of story he appears in, which I shall sum up now. The master shows up in a disguise to harness a greater power he can't control. I watched Mark Lerani for the first time in preparation for this retrospective, and I was so shocked that he didn't turn up in a disguise and that the Rani didn't betray him at the end. But I give myself half a point because the Rani shows up in a pointless disguise. I mean, that serial in itself is kind of a... <laughs> it's sort of Eric Sayward blowing a big raspberry in the master's face, which is not an actual quote from Eric Sayward, but was basically them saying, oh, we don't actually like the master that much and we feel the rani is quote more complex and less hackneyed and amy had wanted out anyway so it's not shocking that most of the master general traits get shoved onto the rani mm, i wonder if that makes the master a product of the 70s and the rani a product of the 80s in what sense rani is a product of the 80s as a cold calculating scientist 
theoretically, it depends on how she's actually written. And all the time she's written by Pip and Jane Baker, so that might account for something. Whereas The Master originates from the 70s and is all those elements I've talked about, sinister, polished, charming, a rip out of the Sherlock Holmes book as a sort of very classic equal villain. Yeah, this common trope of the villain who is basically the hero, but a bit more evil, it appears in basically any story you wish to tell. Shows up in The Lion King when you have evil lion man in the shape of Scar. And this whole idea of him being, you know, this old school friend of the Doctor is basically in The Sea Devils, because it gets comfier in the Pertwee era as it goes on, and then completely forgotten about until the TV movie. So I don't feel that that side of the Master is that central to his character. He is, at core, just the Doctor, but a jerk. So he does seem to always not consider things that are quite obvious, and then the Doctor points them out to him and causes him to lose... Another one that I can think of is his perennial favourite of mine, Legopolis, where he, he, start, he starts messing about with the mathematical world of Legopolis for fun and then accidentally discovers he's, he's knocked over the keystone of the universe and everything starts blowing up. It's sounding more and more like a Wile E. Coyote cartoon. It is, um, unfortunately. Oh no! I bought the Acme Legopolis! Oh no! <laughs> I was trying to get that doctor so I could put him into a roast dinner. But instead, I blew up the universe with entropy. And then the doctor goes, meep, meep, or warp, warp, and <laughs> off they go. <laughs> former school friend side of him is not big in the old show. In the new show, those aspects of him controlling some, well, trying to control some great power are always still there. In a lot of them, he's talking to the Cybermen and they end up betraying him or he can't control them. So I would say that is the most fundamental part of him. The fact that he never works alone and he's trying to be that doctor's equal but evil. And and also never quite matching the doctor. He always never quite smash. Uh It's quite clear the doctor is actually better, even if the master is perhaps more intelligent the doctor's wiser while the master is perhaps more book intelligent after all his degree in cosmic science was higher but the doctor was a late developer (laughs) or in in more recent developments the ultimate chosen one Hmm. Uh, Um, (laughs) the, the one character i can think of that is consistent across everything is the master is selfish he wants power, but not for power's sake, but because he it's for him. He's selfish. He, he wants to have control because he's selfish. It is exactly what it is. The quote that usually goes around is, um, I went around to see the universe and he went about to try and rule it. But mm. about what the Doctor does in landing in a situation, getting involved in the affairs of other peoples and planets, which is against time or society, or at least it meant to be, um, is that not altruistically selfish in the doctor's ma- in the doctor's way because they're, they're also a pseudo agent of chaos in saving people and then leaving them to clear up mess afterwards well see this is probably where the master would think of themselves as an agent of order because unlike the doctor who comes in that 
steals or something and then runs off. And we can we've known we've seen episodes of Doctor Who that show that that can end up the situation getting worse when they inevitably come and return. The Master would rather deal with whatever's going on to his benefit, obviously, and then long term keep control of it, wouldn't he? So he probably thinks of himself as bringing order to the universe. Hmm. I'm, I'm thinking of the case where, if anything, the doctor, uh, the Master capitalizes on the Doctor's. Um, chaos anyway so i'm thinking of the three-part finale to, to new series three where because the doctors managed to cause the downfall of a prime minister he becomes prime minister in his in her place hmm that's in new who and i think new who's tried to kind of be more create more of an equivalence between the two in that sense the first era that i would say is delgado pratt where he is above all upper class and has a sort of polish and aboveness to him then we have the beavers only one where he's just some jerk and then we have roberts onwards and really you could kind of lump in alien roberts as um sort of the fruity one especially if you watch destiny of the doctor where only basically is just jonathan price Mm. But I would say one of the key things about the Eric Roberts, basically, once you get to that sort of the Buffy era of sci-fi, it becomes more about characterization and those more soapy elements that are kind of imported from comic books. And so the more let's just have the master show up in a series and well, in a serial, sorry, and he stomps around with a big stick thwacking people it becomes more oh we have this unique thing where the trope of the hero and the hero's opposite number they were at school together and they did that one line once where he was a dear friend of mine that gets brought out way more in the future probably because they were just thinking well, we've got to do something interesting with him. That was cool and never really got anything done with. Let's do that. And I'd say Roberts Onwards is where the character starts to change. You mentioned Buffy, and yes, definitely, as as the series progresses and as new writers come in, you, they're obviously going to be influenced by different things. And so they're going to take on the character and give them slightly different nuances whilst attempting to capture uh, capture the originality of the master's character if it was original um because obviously as we say moriarty and whatnot when roberts was first being dressed they tried to put him in the delgado uniform but and he said it was put some eyelash on <laughs> <laughs> roberts found the dress was too restrictive so he went for the one he had in the tv movie okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure 130 pounds of black leather oh yes this isn't restrictive no it just squeaks I, I, I was thinking i, I was thinking of the infamous line uh, <laughs> yes. of Time robes. yes <laughs> the master starts polished and sort of upper class and above everything then he just becomes some fruity dude and i have a quote here from jnt he felt that the Rani was more complex and less hackneyed, suggesting that he thought of the Master as simplistic and hackneyed, which for Ainley is basically 
on the money. Most of the Ainley stories, he is just a moustache twirling villain in a penguin suit, isn't he? Mm. So how 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 did that essence degenerate? I agree with you, Luke. That Delgado stands on his own. I would say that the Deadly Assassin is where it changes. He, yes, he's still sort of posh in that, but well, hate quite, keeps me alive. Quote. Yes, he, he, his character is quite different in that, and uh, it makes sense considering the circumstances. But um, that, I feel like that's his fall from grace. Is there? He's no longer now part of that upper class sort of public schoolboy sort of um, thing, because the early assassin was all about satirising that element of British society, wasn't it? And I feel like this was Robert Holmes essentially chucking the master out of that echelon of society, wasn't it? He's still got like that sort of rolled R's kind of thing. Yeah, but he's not, it's clear he's got that background, but he's lost the mannerisms. He's like, that's his fall from grace, essentially. And then that sort of signposts where he's going and I think that's why he ends up being more fruity. I think people just took this idea of the Deadly Assassin and the, the, the mass acting a bit crazy, as you would do if you were literally just like a shriveled up husk. Be insane. You would be driven insane then. But and then we're like, right, well, now he's got a body again. He'll just keep either fruity or insane or whatever. He'll never go back to being fully sane again. So the, then there's the even marked difference when the, when the new do stuff. Yeah, be, because although... Yeah, they have elements of uh, the master and the doctor being related. It, it's not nearly as turn up to 11 as it is when it comes to uh, John Sims' master. Roberts is when they start thinking that way. That is due to a sort of a more changing sci-fi atmosphere. <laughs> they half arse it at best. <laughs> yeah, because it, it just sort of goes to the fifth doctor going, oh dear, it's you again, and just... Basically seeing him as a nuisance until that's also then canonified by J&T's thinking that the master is hackneyed. He was just the thing that you have. And they're not trying to think about him in any sort of trusting way. And that's all you kind of need around this era of the show's history. There are multiple instances where it shows that they, they know each other quite well. The Doctor says he's his arch nemesis. Well, he... He doesn't say that about most things, does he? Like he clearly that is a certain amount of respect, even if it's for someone he doesn't like. Is it the fifth doctor? Who is it that when he's dying and he's like, Oh, this regeneration might not work, it feels different this time. Who is it that actually sparks it? It's not his companions that make him regenerate into Colin Baker. Is it? It's the master. It's the master. <laughs> Haunting him is what propels him into it. And then in the 20th anniversary special, The Five Doctors, um, he'd rather be fighting the Doctor than some other form of evil. Like, or not evil, uh, some other form of opponent, as it were. They, they don't like each other, but also they sort of feed off of each other. It's and that, not... And that's again, that like, family nature from the 70s coming back, isn't it? Or, or, or rather rearing its head again. Again, at the end of Terror of the Autons, is Oh, I've, I've left him stuck here on Earth. Hooray, I look forward to meeting him again. <laughs> this shows what, how different sci-fi was and television was back in the 70s and 80s, doesn't it? Where whenever it was any of these kind of like the drama aspect of it was always toned down, wasn't it? It Absolutely. was there. There were elements of it, but it, they didn't ever go, look, here's a big sign saying pointing to the drama like they do in the modern show. So we have the 1970s. We have... 
despite it beginning to cough and splutter and slowly start to die, the age of political consensus. Anyways, where they might be two opposing ideologies, but they have slowly drifted towards the centre and have found a grudging mutual respect for one another on things like economy, society and what have you. And then you have uh, neoliberalism and then suddenly the great repolarization of British politics, where suddenly everybody's the quintessence of evil. So we've got to destroy Michael Foote or Margaret Thatcher or Corbyn or Boris. Um, so, and I'm wondering whether or not that sort of very subtly impinges on the relationship between the doctor and the master. That would. In survival, the master is pretty much at the end saying, it's time for you to die, Doctor. And the Doctor almost, you know, thwacks his head in with a bone or a skull or whatever it is. Is that Cold War mentality, do you think? I think survival is more about um, Thatcherism, isn't it? Which then Absolutely. your point about polarisation of politics makes total sense then, doesn't it? That's caused the, the Master to become much more uh, violent and horrible towards the Doctor than previously where they were a little bit even though they were enemies they were polite and civil with one, one another mirroring society that had become less polite and more polarized leads to the doctor and the master having a more contentious relationship uh, ultimately i mean that survival of the fittest is sort of like social darwinism which if you don't believe a guiding hand of the state should look after people you think that people should look after themselves that is survival of the and, yeah business. and then you're suddenly into individuals versus individuals yeah unfortunately if there is only no such thing as a state and there are only families then why are these families warring with each other like the doctor and the master the polarization of british politics and the breakdown of the post-war consensus uh gave the master some teeth again at the end of the 80s yes quite literally hey well done i just thought of that i had to say it <laughs> And then we move Brad along did. to the Roberts era, as you suggested, Luke, where there is another shift. Absolutely, which comes to proper fruition when RTD consciously says, I want to do a Buffy skin sort of thing with Doctor Who. And that's what he ends up doing with the Master. Part of the things that I find interesting about the Utopia Sound of Drums story, Sim was definitely made a psychopathic reflection of what the Doctor could be. And the idea that the goatee was debated, but they decided it was unnecessary. It's almost like they're starting from those first principles again of trying to make it that Doctor's Moriarty, but trying to bring out those childhood aspects of them, which really are the unique bits of the Doctor Master relationship. And it's good that they were played around with. This retrospective has given me so much more respect for RCD and his ideas there. And there were these conscious efforts to call back to throughout the Master's reign. Gary Russell was the one who decided to have the Master in the young Time Lord's outfit, in the original War Games outfit, which became the young Time Lord's outfit, which makes no sense if you think about it for half a second. <laughs> but you have other efforts to call back there. You have People of the universe, please attend carefully, being echoed there as well. They're definitely trying to make this a thesis on the master. Hmm. It, it, it's, it's a bit of upcycling, 
I, I would I would describe the RTD era on the character of the master, whilst also having been tinged or poisoned, depending on your political point of view, by the polarisation of politics and the acceptance of neoliberalism under New Labour. So you have that doctor versus master, they're alike, but they're one's the quintessence of evil and psychopathic, as you've suggested, whilst the doctor is, oh God, messianic. With with, with uh, the, the master now being insane in the modern show, because that's not been dropped from any iteration of the character since Sim. And um, now we've established that the Doctor and the Master have a much more close relationship than the, the original show perhaps uh, suggested. Do we think it was felt that the Master had to become insane to justify the Doctor being friends with an evil person? Because the classic show didn't really have any problem with presenting the Master as just a bad person and the Doctor having some respect for an evil person essentially do we think that the culture has changed in these 50 years well it's interesting that in the timeless child the master is basically the joker rather than a reflection of jody the more they're hyping on the childhood aspect the more they are hyping on the insanity angle so there definitely is some sort of connection there yeah, so um, if we're going to take this timeless child bit forward, the reason he's insane in that section is because everything he ever knew and everything she ever knew was a lie, i.e. their entire relationship. That the fact that they were never equals at all, which obviously comes out of left field and whether you like it or not is another story. But it's a further stamp of establishment on how the master is insane and the doctor is very very good and messianic again when you look at john sim they took a few bits that were whispered throughout the classic show you got that bit in the five doctors you got the line in the sea levels etc etc and it blew them right up and we've got to have it the most ancient childhood connection and it's gone way out of control and oh i have a connection with you let's breathlessly talk while i'm outside of subway so instead of writing him as a villain of melodrama mm-hmm. the show has for want of a better word electrified and over dramatized the doctor master relationship 100 percent. for which that's... the audience either goes oh that's very interesting or oh okay then which is in itself a different form of polarization but on the audience which is not necessarily mm-hmm. a good thing in answer to my question, you would suggest that it's not so much people have a problem with the Doctor being friends with a, an evil person. It's that they had to just amp up the drama because people want more drama nowadays than they do did back 50 years ago. I, I would say they want meteor character drama as opposed to the sort of the ludicrousness sometimes of the plots of the 80s that's more the shift we're going towards these days i i I would say it's a falsification to say people want more drama i would say that the character stuff is what we're more interested in and you have to amp up that character stuff and in fact the doctor's character has been amped up as well waters of mars 
where he decides to save some people. That's like the biggest thing ever. If you're gonna have the Doctor be that elevated, there there, there is an equal and opposite reaction as yeah. as a reflection on the society that is watching it. RTD does openly admit it in Utopia, doesn't he? Because he has, basically has Delgado 2.0 in Derek Jack. Yeah, and in, in Derek Jacobi, and you get a little glimpse of the old master, and then he's like, "Well, no, I've got to be young because this doctor's over the top and young, so he regenerates, doesn't he?" He explicitly says that the master has changed, but then so has society, and that's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing because then there is an awful lot. Of it's not even upcycling here; it's just pure recycling from Chibbers' entry, where we have fleet refugee humans sent somewhere, but lol, it's into the clutches of the master in the Timeless Children. Oh wait, I've just discovered. I've just talked about Utopia. Whoops. The Doctor and the Master have a fight on some beach. Oh wait, that's the ultimate foe. The Master tries to trigger the Doctor to blow them up, a la the Time Monster. So Moffat tried to do something additional with the characters. He said Luke was. Uh... Missy, uh, which was an evolution of what Archie did, you know, the buffyization of it. But it seems that now what's happened is RCD is now the holy grail of Doctor Who. And what's happened, we've reverted back to the John Sim Master, essentially. The recycling that I mentioned. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the unreconstructed John Sim Master from 2007. Ignoring all of the development that the characters had in the last decade, it isn't Buffy the Vampire Slayer that we're all looking up to, it's Russell T. Davis from the mid-2000s. We cannot conclude on this podcast, where I am, where we're all present and agree that Russell T. Davis was brilliant. <laughs> it was all the world that we are coming to in lieu of certain circumstances, because... The perfection was oh so great that the current show feels it deemed acceptable enough to utilise and recycle. Not upcycle, but recycle. I, I will say, I'm not saying I think he was the best writer of Doctor Who. I'm more explaining that in terms of pop culture, in terms of what has the public uh, think, that was the most successful period of Doctor Who since the 70s. So... For good or for ill, yeah. Yes. There were original elements of the Master which we absolutely love. This then seems to be evolved or degenerated into a figure of fun uh, in the 80s. And then it evolved again into 90s Buffy Vampire Slayer pseudo-demonic Master because the Doctor has become messianic as per connections to how the British political scene and British society has evolved from 1971 to 2021. And so what we seem to have discovered is that there are many differences and changes despite there being the same character called the Master in Doctor Who 50 years ago and today. And that's the one we're currently stuck with. Whether you like it or not. Thank you very much for listening to this special retrospective character in-depth study on the master you can find us on blogspot which redirects to itunes you can leave positive comments there it helps if you like you can also find us on facebook and youtube where you can like comment and subscribe uh we're now going to return to hibernation and awake like the silurians to find the future and if you can make it not terrible that would be great but until then i've been ben 
I've been Luke. And I've been Nick. Thank you, and goodbye.